0: Everybody have a good Thanksgiving weekend? Yes. Yeah, that's such a loaded question because I know there's some of us in this room this morning that are like, yes, my family loved each other every minute. Of every, the whole time we were there, we talked nicely to each other and there's some of us are in this room, and we're here because we need some time with Jesus after this weekend. Yeah, you know, Thanksgiving's interesting. You know, it, it's it's an interesting time, but it's important for us to take moments to give thanks for what we got. And, and today is no different. We're continuing this promise series. And how about last week, man? Wasn't Pastor Dan's message just phenomenal last week? And um, yeah, you can clap for him. Come on. And. uh We're we're continuing this promise series, and for most of the part for the series, we've been talking through the promises and prophecies, prophecies that were to come, either the Messiah, Christ, and uh, Jesus in the Psalms that Dan talked about last week. But today's promise, we're going to focus on a different avenue of the promise. This promise we're going to focus on today is a covenant promise. We're going to be diving into what a covenant is and you're going to hear me today go a lot, uh, and we're, we're going to use terms like Abrahamic covenant, um, Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, and then we're going to use a term called the New Covenant. I just want to paint this picture at the very beginning. When I say Old Covenant, I'm talking about the covenant that was given in the Old Testament. It was given before Christ. When I talk about the New Covenant later on today, we'll be talking about what was given to us through Christ. Just want to make sure we're all on the same page there. But what is a covenant? What is a covenant and, and what does this promise mean? A covenant is an arrangement between two parties. Uh, a covenant is arranged between two parties and there's, there's mainly two types of covenants that we read about. There's conditional covenants. This is a kind of covenant that if, if you're in it, it requires something from both sides of the parties engaged in this covenant. I call this an if-then covenant. If you hold up your end, If you do what you said you were going to do, if you follow through, then I will follow through. This is a conditional covenant. And there's a second covenant type called an unconditional covenant. This is where there is two parties in the covenant contract or the promise contract. There is two parties in it, but only one side is committing or has to uphold their side. This is what I call an even-if covenant. This is even if you don't do what you said you were gonna do, even if you don't follow the rules, I said, even if you step away or even if the other side is going to hold their end of the covenant, even so. Today's covenant we're gonna be focusing on is the covenant called the Abrahamic Covenant. This is the Old Testament covenant we're gonna be focusing on. This is found in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses one through three. We're gonna read this together. We're gonna kind of explain what this covenant was. This was a covenant made between God and a man named Abraham. His, uh, His name is originally Abram. We'll talk a little bit about that, when this covenant was made and then it's changed. But in Genesis 12, verses one through three, it says this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those that treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. This, This is... Based on on this promise or this covenant, like I said, God then changes this man's name from Abram, which meant high father, to Abraham, which meant father of multitude. And what is in this covenant in the Old Testament? What is this Abrahamic covenant promising? There's three main promises we see in the Abrahamic covenant, from God to Abraham. The first one is this, the promise of land. Genesis 12-1, leave your country and go to the land I will give you. He, there's a promise of land. The second promise is a promise of descendants. Descendants will come. And this happens to Abraham, he, he has immediate descendants, but there's also, in this Abrahamic covenant, you get to see a little foreshadowing to what we call the Davidic covenant. And in that, it speaks of descendants that will come through the bloodline of David and then leading to Jesus offering salvation for all. That's a little foreshadowing there. And the third promise we see in Genesis 12 in this covenant is the promise of blessing and redemption. Blessing and redemption. Now this was, like I said, this was our Old Testament covenant given from God to Abraham. That's why it's called the Abrahamic covenant. Now this covenant finds its full fulfillment in what we call the new covenant. The new covenant, we're gonna dive into what that new covenant is and what that looks like. But the new covenant in a nutshell is the covenant that if I am a Christ follower, if you are a Christian and you've given your life to Christ, you now belong to this new covenant Uh, in the New Testament, this new covenant. And, And it's prophesied in the book of Jeremiah about this new covenant to come. Remember, Jeremiah is an Old Testament book, and we read in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 and 33, it says this. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took their hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I loved them, As a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is a new covenant I will make with the the people of Israel in those days, says the Lord. I'll put my instructions deep within them and I'll write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I love that line at the very end. I will put the instructions deep within them and imprint them on their heart. This new covenant that Jeremiah is prophesying about is this new covenant that comes through Jesus. And it's, it's describing this imprinting on our heart that the covenant restrictions will be, it, they'll be dug into our soul. Why is this important? Because when it comes to these, the old covenants, there was a lot of laws and restrictions. There was 613 laws in the Old Covenant. Anybody think they could do that? No, I don't think you could. You wanna know why? Because I drive down the freeway here. And there's a sign, I don't know if you guys know this, but there's a sign that tells you what speed to go. And it usually has a number six and five on it. But for some reason, in our culture, 65 to us means 92. It, 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 it's like, I just like, I see the number, and I'm like, okay, I gotta obey that number. And I'm just getting passed by, like, like people flying 90. I'm like, well, I guess I'm the only one in Reno that follows the rules. Um, but the truth is, is rules are hard for us. And in this old covenant, there were 613 laws that required daily sacrifices. Daily sacrifices were, had to be made to get us in a position and a posture right with God and this had to happen because if you read Romans 6:23 you see that because the wages of sin is death there had to be these laws there had to be these daily sacrifices because if you remember the start of this series we talked about Adam and Eve and their fall and what happened in that moment sin and death enters the world through the temptation of the enemy And from that moment on, there's a separation between humanity and God. And these daily sacrifices, following these laws the best they could, these daily sacrifices was a way of uh, seeking forgiveness uh, to get into the presence or be right in the eyes of God. It was a lot of work. But under this new covenant that Jeremiah talks about in Jeremiah 31, the new covenant is freely given. It's a free gift. It's given to us this new covenant. And I don't know if there's anybody like me in here. Maybe not, I don't know. But uh, the, sometimes when it comes to my relationship with Christ, I sometimes wish there was like a, a check system. Like I wish I could just, know I can do this, I'll 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 do this and I'm good. The, 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 the accepting the free gift of this covenant we're talking about, accepting this free gift of this New Testament covenant is hard for me. Because it seems too good to be true. Because it is. It's too good. But God is that good, amen? And and so let's dive into what this free gift looks like. In Ephesians 2, verses eight and nine, it says this. God saved you by his grace when you believe. And you can't take credit for this. It was a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so no one can boast in it. The salvation it's talking about is the salvation that is found in Christ, which is under the new covenant we're about to dive into. But what it's really saying here in Ephesians is that this was a gift given to you, that there's nothing, nothing you can do to work harder at, to to strive more in, to try to do more that can make this not a free gift. You can't boast in this new covenant. Only God can. That's the beauty of it. Because I know that there's some achievers in the room this morning that just want to achieve, achieve, achieve. See, and it's hard to just accept, accept, accept that this gift, this new covenant we're about to talk about was a free gift. This new covenant will be both for the Israelite and the Gentile, for the the people of God and the ones on the perimeter. This will be for the whole world, what Jeremiah is talking about. And how does this covenant come to pass? So we have the Abrahamic covenant, the Davidic covenant, we have these Old Testament covenants and then we find in the New Testament this new covenant. But how does it come to pass? It comes to great sacrifice. See, because there once was daily sacrifices required and Jesus, let me just kinda tell you how this new covenant comes into existence. Jesus leaves heaven comes to earth, lives a sinless, spotless life, perfect in every way. He was the spotless, sacrificial lamb. And then at the age of 33, men come, they take him away, and they take him, and they flog him, and they beat him, and they mock him, and then he's walked to his crucifixion device, which is his sacrifice device, where he will give his life up for humanity, where his blood will be shed. His blood will be shed and he'll be pierced and broken And he will take his last breath See, at this moment in history The soldiers and the people thought they were just killing a man They didn't know that they were ushering in the New Testament covenant So he goes to the grave He doesn't stay there resurrects after three days and spends some more time here on earth and then ascends to heaven, opening the pathway for us to join him there for eternity. That's the good news. And I know sometimes we hear this message, this gospel message, this new covenant message of how it came to pass. And I bet some of you are like, man, Shane talks about this every week. I feel like he talks about Jesus and the cross every week, talks about the grave every week. The truth is, Everything. This message, the good news of Jesus, the gospel message is everything to us. I hope we never get to this place where we look at the gospel message and just say, oh, that's the simple part. I I wanna go deeper. I hope we never get just blinded or numb to the power of this new covenant gospel message. That we just let it, like just we lose his influence in us. Every time we hear this gospel message, there should be something in us that screams on the inside for joy because we know that this gospel was given to us freely and we didn't deserve it. And so that's how this new covenant comes to pass. Jesus does this. But the the covenant is built on the blood of Christ. That's what this new covenant is built on. The blood of Christ. We know this because in Matthew 26, Jesus is eating dinner with his disciples and they go to celebrate the Passover meal and Jesus says these words to him. He says, and just remember that this is right before Jesus is going to be crucified. That's on the timeline. It's right on the horizon. And Jesus says this in Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Jesus' blood is poured out as the sacrifice for us. So we are no longer held to these old covenant standards or this old covenant way of living. We are now under this new covenant. And how do we get into this new covenant, Shane? How how do I get to that? It's pretty simple. To live in this new covenant, it comes in very simply submitting your life to Jesus Christ. Saying, Jesus, you are the ruler of my life. You are, you are the Messiah who sacrificed himself for me. I give my life to you, forgive me. And at that moment of salvation, at the submission of ourself to Christ, we then enter into this new covenant relationship where we are not held by the standards of the old covenant, we're now held to the standards of the New Testament covenant, which is covered by the grace and blood of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. But then you ask yourself, okay, Shane, in the old covenant, in these old covenants we talk about, in these old promises, there was clear rules on how to live. How do I live now? How do I live my life in a new covenant relationship? How do do I go about my daily life? There's just two main points I want us to walk away with today. Number one in how we live our life in a new covenant relationship, how we live. Number one, we walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 and 17 says this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Pause there. What's the Holy Spirit? With this new covenant, there's there's this Holy Spirit that seals us at the moment of salvation, that lives in us, that guides us, That's the the Holy Spirit speaking of in Galatians. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. These two forces are constantly fighting. You have the Holy Spirit, the sealer, the moment of salvation in you as a Christ follower who's in the new covenant relationship, has the Holy Spirit, but you also have your sinful nature, your humanity, and they are in conflict with each other. The Word of God says that they, they, They are opposite of each other. It's like two batteries that can't connect. Opposite. Some translations even say that they oppose each other. That there's there's an opposition in you between this Holy Spirit and your sinful nature. When we live in this New Testament covenant, we are called to walk in the Spirit, meaning walk in the Holy Spirit. to to lean into the Holy Spirit. How do we do this? First off, it's this. He leads, we follow. Leaning into the Holy Spirit is saying, okay, it's not my plan, it's yours. God, it's not my plan, it's not my desires, it's yours. I mean, Dan kind of brought this up last week where he, he had a moment in his message where he was talking about, if God says go, you go. That's what it's talking about here. When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we're called to, to walk in him, to follow his plan for our life, not our own. Anybody know a really good planner? No? How do you guys get anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Planners are important. We, it's important for us to have a plan. And it, Sometimes this walking in the Spirit and listening and following God can kind of feel like it's, it's opposite of that. It's not about not having a plan. Sometimes I hear people misuse this. Well, I don't make plans for my life and I don't even think about tomorrow because I just walk in the spirit. Just walk in the spirit. I don't plan. I mean, I got no plan for retirement. God's in control. Health insurance, God's in control. Like, it's not just walking in the spirit. It comes with making a plan. And when God says pivot, we say, okay. I made a plan, but you had a different plan we walk in the spirit he leads we follow he then he speaks we listen he speaks we listen anybody have toddlers do you ever think about how sometimes we're like toddlers with god i have two little kids and one of them oh she's the best and she's started this new thing where I'll, I'll be having this moment where I'm giving her this really stern dad talk, and I'm I'm trying to teach her truth. I'm trying to make sure she knows what she did was wrong, if she keeps acting like that, who knows where she'll be in 20 years. You know, like, I'm just telling her, but I'm, I'm doing with all love and passion, and she's just staring at me dead in the eyes, won't blink, just. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting through. It's sinking in. And I get done, I say, okay, sweetie, in the first line out of our mouth, can I watch a movie? <laughs> you didn't hear a word I said. This is how we got in this situation. See, we do the same with God sometimes. He's speaking to us. His Holy Spirit's leading us. Don't touch that. Don't do this. Follow me. And we're just like looking at him. And it gets to the end and we're just, no, I'm just gonna do my own thing. I, I mean, I hear you speaking, but it's not, it's, <laughs> in one ear, out the other. We are so much like toddlers when it comes to our relationship with God sometimes. We need to be able to submit to walking in the spirit and saying, his ways are greater than my ways. And when he speaks, I listen. Not just be there, not just over here, but listen intently to his words. He leads, we follow, he speaks, we listen, and he orders, we obey. This one's hard for people. He orders, we obey. And I am, I, mean, I am talking about like he orders, you go here, you do this, you say this, but I'm also talking on the micro side of his, his orders on how we live. His, his compass for our life. He orders us to live a certain way to live a life that is holy and set apart. And when he orders us to live that way, we obey it if we're walking in the spirit. We should want to obey it. The world does not determine how we live our life. Just because the world says it's okay, if it goes against the word of God, and it goes against his compass, it's not okay. We're not called to live that way, I mean, the world, like I know we live in a time where we feel like those moral boundaries around us are starting to collapse more and more. Things are starting to get, this isn't new. This has been happening for generations where boundaries have been pushed and pushed and pushed. It's the ones who say, you know what, I don't care where the boundaries are, I only care where his boundaries are. That's where I'm going to live. That boundary might have been pushed, and I could freely go out into this boundary, but I know the word of God says opposite, so I'm stepping into that boundary instead of those. That's how we're called to live. And I hate to say it, he, he, he leads, we follow, he speaks, we listen, he orders, we obey, and if I could add another tagline here, I'd say, it's not a debate. It's not a debate. We don't get that privilege to debate with God to try to convince him why he's wrong. You know, we do this all the time. You're like, Shane, what do you mean? We don't debate with God. Yes, we do. When it comes to our morals or our boundaries and we know we shouldn't step out and do this or make this decision, but when we go to a place of repentance, like, you know what, God, you have no idea how hard my week was. God, you have no idea how stressful my marriage is. That's why I did that. God, you have no idea how hard it is to struggle financially. That's why I did that. We debate this all the time. Circumstances don't give us a free pass to step out of the moral compass of Christ. It's truth. So he does those. We follow, we walk in the Spirit. And number two, walking in this new covenant relationship as we're called to abide in him. Abide in him. John 15, verses four through five says this. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, God is speaking of himself, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. This abiding in him in this new covenant, this new promise relationship we live in Jesus. We walk in the Spirit, and we abide in Him. We are connected to Him. If you have your Bibles, circle that part up. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, put a big circle around that. Because it's important for us to remember that we are called to abide in Him, even though it feels like sometimes we, we try to separate or do our own thing. So how do we abide in Him? First off, we have prioritized our time. We prioritize time with him. To abide, you have to be with. To abide, you have to be near. You have to be connected. So we prioritize our time. This one's always been interesting to me because I'm, I'm a people watcher. Anybody else like that? Like I love to go on vacation and just be that weirdo who's like sitting in the restaurant and just watching people fight and stuff. It's my favorite thing. And I, I watch people, but I also watch the church. I watch us, I watch how we live. And when it comes to the priori- prioritization of our time, I ask myself this question, for a group of people who are living in a new covenant relationship, they're thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ, for a gift that was freely given to them, that they, they did nothing to earn, that their sins were forgiven, they get to spend eternity in heaven, why does God only get minutes of our day? Why, 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 does, he, why does he seem to just get the last bit? Why does he seem to get what we have left instead of what we first have? Prioritize our time. If we are going to abide in him, we need to be with him. And I know that sounds judgmental, it's not. I struggle with this too, I I get busy. Start somewhere. I'm not saying you have to go tomorrow, that if you're gonna be a good new covenant believer, I'm not saying tomorrow you have to spend your first eight hours of your day reading scripture. That's not what I'm saying. But it is important that there's a priority in our life for spending time with him. Give him the first 10. Give him the first 15. Give him the first five. One of my friends always says this, that he won't get out of bed, or his feet won't hit the floor to get out of bed until he's at least spent five minutes with Jesus. That's a great way to start the day. Prioritize your time. Second, prioritize your effort. Prioritize your effort. Does your relationship with Jesus, does Jesus get your best or whatever's left? Does Jesus get the best of you? Does he get the, the most awake, most coherent, or does he get the you when you're at the, only at the bottom, only as you're emptying your tank, and you've been dealing with your family and your kids, and now you're going to him with just nothing left when it comes to serving him? Does, does he get your best effort and service? Does he get get everything off the top? Your best effort, prioritize your effort. And lastly, prioritize his kingdom. Prioritize his kingdom. Put the kingdom of God, to abide in him, it's really saying that I'm putting your kingdom, Jesus, ahead of my own. I'm putting your kingdom, Jesus, ahead of my own kingdom. That's why I love we, we do these year gifts like bristlecone. This is a tangible way for us to practice this. It's a tangible way for us to say, you know what? To build my kingdom, I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I need to make this card payment. I need, to, I need to spend this money on a movie night. I need, to, I need to buy this watch. I need to do this. And to say, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. And I'm gonna give it to God. Prioritizing his work, his kingdom, so people can find freedom from addiction and find the love of Jesus Christ. That's prioritizing his kingdom. We get to this place of, we get to this mindset of you know what God, it's not about how great my earthly kingdom is, because I don't get to stay here anyway. It's about how big your kingdom is. Sacrificing of our own desires and our own wants Goes so much against the culture we live in. Goes so much against it. But that's what we're called to do to prioritize the kingdom of Jesus. And it's important for us to remember that this new covenant we're talking about, this salvation, this new covenant, this new testament relationship that we have the opportunity to live in with Jesus, was bought with a price. It was bought and paid for with the blood of Jesus Christ. And Grayson's gonna help me here in just a minute. As I was preparing this message, I thought about this blood that was paid for me for this new covenant. I was reminded of a time I used to go to church with my grandma whenever we'd visit. She went to a small little church, probably like 10 people, and they used to sing these things called hymns and I remember going and she would sing this one hymn all the time. And you know, there, there's a line of there's power in the blood and I remember as a kid, first thought it's a weird song. <laughs> but then I began to watch my grandma. I began to watch my grandma and I began to see a woman who was singing these words in this hymn out of a place of appreciation for what Christ did for her that her new covenant relationship, her freedom, her salvation was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And there was so much great power in that blood that it can make dead things rise. It can make imprisoned souls free. As I watched her, I began to just appreciate how she sang this song as you could just see the joy of the Lord, the gratitude that she was, that she was in a new covenant relationship with Jesus. So I thought we would just take a moment to think about our life and our relationship with this new covenant and what the blood of Jesus means to us. And I challenge you as she begins to sing this hymn, just to take a moment and think about your life Think About how much this new covenant means to you and how you should live out of it. Go ahead, Gray. There is power, power, power. working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power. precious blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood something we just need to remember, that there's power in the blood of the Lamb, and this new covenant we live in was bought and paid with it. Amen? Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for what you're doing in us and through us. God, I pray that you would just pull us close to you this week, that you would remind us daily of what it means to live in a new covenant relationship with you. We love you and praise your holy name. Amen.